You are listening to LP Uncovered, a music podcast hosted by myself, Lauren Plant. On this episode, I chat with the brilliant singer-songwriter from New York City, Cassandra Jenkins. Having always been surrounded by music from a young age growing up with musical parents, she released her debut solo album, Play Till You Win, back in 2017. Last year, she released her second album, An Overview on Phenomenal Nature, a wonderful immersive seven-track album. So let's uncover Cassandra Jenkins' brilliant An Overview on Phenomenal Nature. Well, I'm super excited to have on LP Uncovered, Cassandra Jenkins. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to uncover the brilliant and overview on Phenomenal Nature. And um, before we get into the nitty gritty about the album, which is an amazing album, how was it? Because you've recently come over to England to do your first ever headlining shows in the UK. I was gutted I couldn't come to Bristol. But um, yeah, Um, how was it? Did we behave ourselves, the British (laughs) I'm sorry you couldn't be there too. Um, yeah, gosh, it was a really amazing experience. I um, it's my first headlining tour in Europe and the UK ever, and you know the last time I did a headlining tour was very very small, and it was in the US, so it was really a first in many ways. So I felt the warmest welcome from everyone. Um, you could hear a pin drop in every room. I oh, really. Yeah, it was uh, an extremely respectful and receptive audience. Like I was almost making fun of everyone at a couple <laughs> points because I was like, guys, like <laughs> we we can be quite quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was amazing, but I think also it had a lot to do with. Um, I tend to be quite quiet on stage. I talk a lot and I tend to like joke a little bit, but I think um, I have a soft, soft voice and my songs veer towards the meditative, maybe less so live, but I think people are responding to that too. So it's, Mm. it's, it's both. And there was a lot of crying at the shows. I mean, I think people from you or from other people. Both. I mean, as soon as I see, I'm very sensitive to that. So if I see someone else crying, I start to cry whether or not I'm yeah. like actually feeling that emotional. It's like a knee-jerk response. I I mean, I was feeling quite emotional though on this tour. It was pretty, it was a profound experience um, mm. for so many reasons. And uh, the shows were really the best part of the, of the days. Um, but yeah, and, and, you know, I was really worried about safety and masking um but i i very politely asked people to wear masks and found that there was a lot of cooperation and it had a lot to do with it sort of felt like a a weighted scale like if enough people were wearing it it would uh get you would see the room sort of change uh over into like a mask wearing room versus not so yeah, and and I do really think that that's important. Um, yeah. So in all respects, I felt like everyone was really kind and and uh, very warm. Good. Um, 
just, I think we all needed that space. Um, mm. And in terms of the the crying and stuff, like uh, I think some people were coming out to a show for the very first time. Yeah, I was going to say uh, for us, well, across the world, that many of us haven't seen live music in so long. So it's amazing yeah. that if someone tells us to put on a mask, go watch some live music, we'll do it because we're obviously we're just desperate to to listen to live music. So that was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it just, um, I think, I remember the first time I went to go see a friend play over the summer, and I was crying the whole time because it was just so, so cathartic, and I just didn't realize how much I needed it, and it, it was just such an emotional experience for reasons that I didn't even really need to intellectualize or or mm. rationalize. It was just, oh, it really overcame me, so I think you know, whether or not it was, I think my music was just a vehicle for that, whether or not people were really responding to my music, it was just like uh, the need to express a lot of things and let just exhale in the form of tears, you know, so. So no congering. No, no, not this time. <laughs> I, I mean, oh as I just heard on the grapevine that there's been the occasional conga and us Brits, we, we're down for a conga, but obviously... Well, maybe on the next no. <laughs> on the next tour. <laughs> oh, I'm not well. sure. I feel like most people would be like, no, but no. Well, that's it's a shame, but also probably a good thing that the conga was uh, was kept to minimum. <laughs> yeah. How was it finishing the tour in Oslo? Because I'm sure that must have have been very special for for many reasons, and obviously very much linked with the album itself. Yeah, um, that was pretty wild. I. I had my last official date in Oslo at a really wonderful venue and then an unofficial date uh, on the island of Linger uh, where that's the island that I talk about on the record a lot. Yeah. I was in Oslo simply, uh, you know, in the record when I sing about Oslo, I was, go- I was going there simply to get to this island and uh that's a very special place for me for many, many reasons. It's kind of become a home away from home and, and a sanctuary and a resting place. Um, and it was very surreal to be there. I couldn't believe it had been that long. You know, I think we're all experiencing this very strange, elastic and bizarre relationship with time um, mm. and how to mark time when uh, we've, marked so much of the past couple of years with a lot of, you know, strange, blurry, like series of tragedies. But uh, I think it was just to have arrived there. It felt just healing just to, just to be there. And then to have a minute, I just, when I got there, I just slept for most of the day. I was so mm-hmm. exhausted and just so comforted. Um, and uh, then we played a concert there by that time I had left my band who are a group of musicians from Glasgow. I had left them in Europe before going to, well, in like uh, we, we split off in Paris before I went to Scandinavia and uh, I played with a few musicians, my friend Lila Larson on guitar. um, And then a saxophonist that I met in Oslo the day of the show. Oh, wow. And then a really uh, talented drummer and and uh, multi instrumentalist that I met the day of my show on the island. So it, it became a lot of collaboration um, towards the end of the 
journey. And it was really fun to collaborate with other Norwegian artists, I think, especially because I was a little bit concerned because I do talk a lot about Norway and the cover of my album is a very Norwegian landscape. Like, I, I don't ever want to be like fetishizing a place um, or coming off that way because I, I really do have just like this very genuine connection with this very specific place yeah. and it could be anywhere, but it's Norway. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and so I think to be able to work with local musicians, like really felt like the, the right way to come back to that place and to mm. kind of like, I don't know, just, just to collaborate with people there and, and show an appreciation for, the music scene there um so yeah anyway ending up in oslo was amazing it was also freezing cold by the time i got to the island it was such a funny way to end a tour it was like slowly ed whittled down and then it was just me and uh a rental car and very icy snowy roads and then once you get to where you uh take a boat to the island it's like you have to suit up in these giant suits and then uh it's you know freezing it's i mean in fahrenheit it was below 20 degrees so definitely below zero celsius and then you know get on this little boat and and go to this island and and so it it was uh at one point the car got stuck in a snowbank i mean it was just such a funny way to end (laughs) a tour it was not how most people would end a tour you know i was like while I'm already kind of like on my last leg, let's just go a little bit further. Yeah, and, uh, yeah but really... the other band mem- members like minus twenty degrees. No, we'll we'll skip that show. We'll uh, <laughs> we'll stay where it's a little bit warmer. You know, I have to say they were actually so game to come yeah, with yeah. me, but for a couple different reasons, I yeah, I actually had to to do that leg on my own. But yeah. but yeah, I mean th- that's just a testament to. Um, the band that I was with because they were just ready to do anything and I think we all just so badly want to be playing music right now that I think we're willing to put up with some of some more conditions yeah obviously like I say congrats with the album and it's coming up to nearly a year when Mm -hmm. February um and you you said a lot that this is an album that you never expect people to listen to and never thought when writing when I said this is something that people are going to listen to how is it reflecting coming up to a year now with such positive response and just for you personally as a musician how's it been yeah kind of reflecting on what was potentially an album that you never thought people were going to hear yeah it's um just as surreal as it was when people when it people first started to hear it uh if not more I mean it's surreal for a few reasons I've had to ask myself if I have severe imposter syndrome or if I'm just experiencing what it is to release an album during a pandemic when the only contact you have with people is over the internet. Um, when most of my life, my, my connection with music has always been in, in a space, in a performance setting where I can really interact with people or I'm going to shows and in a community here in New York that I've just felt very disconnected from in a, in the real world sense, like we, we stay in touch and, and for sure, like I've still continued to play music in various ways, but to have it all exist only in this uh, virtual reality has been very surreal. And so it, it doesn't quite feel real at mm. this point. And it's just been such a bizarre trajectory. And I don't think it would have been the same trajectory. It's impossible to really know, but 
had we not been in this time, this space and time, I think it would have had a very different life had it come out like a year or two before. So <laughs> I think um, I'm so thankful. Uh, it's really dramatically changed my life. Not only did I not think that people were going to hear it, I was very much giving up on uh, being a, a career musician at the, at the point when I made this album. It, was, it felt sort of like a swan song um, and just something that I needed to do in order to have some new songs for a tour that I did in November of 2019. I just, um, I really can't emphasize enough just just how disappointed and um, just sort of burnt out I was at that moment. I, I was really quite feeling quite defeated. And uh, out of that came this record, which was very healing for me because I got to work with a friend who I really love and who has a lot of faith in me and really encouraged me to um, make something in that moment and not worry too much about what it would be. That's where the the record was coming from a place of um, I just didn't I didn't really worry about whether or not anyone was going to hear it. I was yeah. really just making something out of my experiences, and um, and here I am diving headfirst back into being a, a musician full time again. I mean, I I really haven't had time to do a lot of the freelance work that I was doing in order to stay afloat over the past decade of, of touring and um, writing and recording. Yeah. I've, I've always done a lot of side gigs. So this is the first year where suddenly all of that work, I one by one, I would have to write to my employers and say, you know, I know this is really strange, but I really, I know that it, I'm just at home alone, but I, I actually don't really have, have <laughs> time right now to yeah. do my job anymore. So here I am planning tours through, through the end of the year and already thinking about making another album and I'm repurchasing all of the equipment that I had sold right after I wrote and, and recorded this album. You know, I, I really got rid of everything. I was really, I mean, I'm, I bought a ticket to Mexico with some of the money that I uh, got from selling my equipment. And uh, it was a wow. one-way ticket kind of thing. Like I'm talking full wow. on, full on crisis mode. Um <laughs> More than a congregate. Yeah, yeah. It was uh it was very, very real. And now that's all backdrop to say, well, my life really changed. Um, <laughs> I am so excited and I'm so thankful that so much of my faith in music has been restored through the experience of releasing this album. Mm. Because I'm an artist who has just been trucking along playing in bands working side gigs never doing it for like just for much more than just I love playing music and yeah. and I've always just worked with the people that I love to work with I've, I I'm just coming from a really honest place I think with my approach to performing and and so to think that you can do that and then have have a an album that has a certain amount of success and that, that many people can hear and relate to. And I'm really just talking about my own very personal experiences is uh, I mean, that feels kind of old school in this way that I think a lot of people think you have to have like a hit on TikTok or something at this point to, yeah. to have any kind of success. But I, 
I think um, I'm really thankful that I got to make something that connected with a lot of people and also brought me back to life in a lot mm. of ways. So um, in that way, it, it's I know success is a weird word to talk about with any kind of art, but I think for me, it, it, it just means that I made something that reached a lot of people and probably from what I understand, helped a lot of people through a hard time. It helped me through a hard time. And, and it's this very mutual thing where people reach out to me and say, thanks for your song or your songs or your album. And this, this got me through a rough patch. Like I just lost mm-hmm. a friend or, mm-hmm. or like I'm, I'm uh, spending a lot of time alone this year and um, whatever it is. I always write back and say like this album really helped me too. Cause I'm, I'm going through it too, you know, yeah. and it really, it really brought me back to life and, and I'm fully excited and honored to be able to be doing music full time again. Um, and to be working now with people that I really love and admire and, uh, and continuing to work with all my friends that I, I kind of had, I feel like for most of my like towards the end of, of uh, 2019, I was always trying to find gigs that, that were fun to play for people and, and um, yeah. always wanting to be able to pay people what they should be paid uh, if they were playing music with me, uh, just like I would always hope for if I was playing in a band. And I feel like this upcoming year, hopefully that can happen. Like I yeah. can finally kind of like do the thing that I've been wanting to do for a long time, but I had sort of lost sight of that at a certain point. And um, I think back to my teenage self and I'm just like, yeah, this is what you've been wanting to do mm. your whole life. And I, I feel like at this moment in time, this album really gave me an opportunity to do that, which is just so unexpected. So I'm, uh, I'm feeling really grateful. Well, and we're very grateful that you didn't go to Mexico when you went with the album. And um, you kind of mentioned that it was produced by Josh Kaufman, your good yeah. friend. Uh, how yeah, was that yeah. as a creative well, process experience? Uh, he's amazing. He has a lot of energy. He is a very good collaborator and listener. You know, we just bounce ideas off each other and I can be we can be really honest with each other. And I think out of that comes a really great collaboration because we can just, you know, we joke around a lot. We laugh a lot. Um, even though we're often handling some, some tough or dark material, like yeah. there's always a lot of laughter. Um, and there's always like a clip to the, pace at which we're moving which I really appreciate because I I think I can have a pretty short attention span um and so you know this album came together in about a week it went from being just a pile of lyrics to being songs yeah that's and then by the end of the week we had six songs and I was like okay well I guess that's my album and then the seventh song I did I did later on um which is another story, but uh, he's amazing. And he's such a, he is so good at finding that balance between everything sounding like really pristine, but also never losing character. Um, And he's very much that way too. I think if you just, um, I spend a lot of time with his family and and, um, 
you know, their house is kind of that way too. It's got like, it's, it's this beautiful house, but it, it feels so warm and welcoming and there's stories behind every painting and um, there's Polaroids kind of like lining the piano and it just, that's how the records feel too. There's always these little tiny details, these little sort of like sonic um, earworms and Easter eggs throughout, but we're not placing those in there. We're just letting them stay. And you can't really plan out what that's going to be on any particular album as you just kind of have to see how that goes. And so just a wonderful, it's always a wonderful process. And um, he really treats every song like its own journey I went into the studio thinking I would have a guitar and vocal album. And then I left the studio with like wah-wah pedal and triple tracked fretless bass. And, you know, just, I was like, wow, we went on a real adventure. I wasn't expecting that. So, so, you know, there's no formula with Josh, but when you're working with him, you just know that you're going to end up with something that you love and it's, it probably won't be quite what you expected. I love that you said that it was uh, funny because obviously, like you said, talking about like they're emotional and material, but the whole concept of the conversation, which when we talk about hard drive in more particular, but the conversation it had with a security guard, the whole notion of the overview and actually it was very subjective opinion is, is a funny concept. So yeah, um, yeah do you think, yeah. Is there appropriate for the album, like you said, to make it in a in a very funny and lighthearted environment, but also having the other effect, which kind of seems yeah. appropriate for the material? Yeah, I think there's a difference. Maybe I think the what I realized about my tone in general is I might not be like ha ha funny, but yeah, I always want to be playful, and I think that album title and that that concept it's very playful. Um, yeah even if you're not laughing out loud, you know, yeah. it's, it's like got a little bit of a wink to it. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm always looking for that. Like I never want to get too dark or heavy handed, uh, yeah. but I, I also get really irritated when things are too light and fluffy. So yeah. <laughs> it's really, how do you find that balance? Find balance. And um, you kind of mentioned the artwork earlier. I'm always fascinated by album artwork and um, it was by, uh, your friend Ole Ollie Broderson, have I said that right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, with um, yeah. yeah, you say Ollie in English, but it's like Ola. Ola. It's kind of it's something like that. I, okay. I, no, I that's right every time. No, yeah. <laughs> I'll go Ola. Um, how did you come about uh, using his artwork for the album? I know it's all very much linked, like I said, to the songs and the photo. Was it yeah. in the island um, off Oslo? Yeah, it's called Linger. And it's about, you know, if you drive about four hours south along the coast, you get to the mainland where you you dock and boat off to the island, which takes about 10 minutes. It's not a very long boat ride. Yeah, so we've been friends for over a decade now. And he and his partner have come to stay with stay with my family here in New York. And I go and stay with his family out there on the island. And we just have this kind of like, exchange um and and always have i think when we met in new york at a photo show i I used to show my photographs uh at just like my studio in bushwick um i used to also take uh medium format photographs and print them and uh when he saw them he introduced himself to me and we instantly became friends um that's a whole other story but uh we've been friends for a long time. I've always loved his work and he has a lot of, he's collected 
a lot of work. That's all. It's usually landscape photography. It often has sort of a environmental lilt um, to his uh, or bend. I, I think I've always wanted to use one of his photographs for a cover, but it had to be the right thing. And then once I finished this album, I was like, oh yeah, there's literally nothing else that should go on this album yeah. cover except for one of his photographs because it's from the island. So much of the songs are about that place. Um, mm. And they've got this eerie quality to them. They usually have this sort of mysterious light source that you see in a yeah. lot of the photographs, which uh, is actually usually some kind of LED light that he's he's placed and then they're long exposures. So the quality of them, the effect is that they look almost like a cross between lightning and uh, like murmurers. Like yeah. it, it's just this kind of strange, it looks like a phenomenon. And so yeah, I kind of felt like dust. similar. Yeah. It's, it's mm. similarly, I thought like, Oh, this is kind of playful. It's a little bit literal, but I like that. I like that. It looks yeah. kind of like, is that some kind of UFO or what is yeah. that? And I call it the ghost because to me it looks a little mm. bit like a ghost and um and, you know, when you dig into the album a little bit more, there are some ghosts on the album. And, yeah. And, but they're wonderful ghosts. They're friendly. They're the yeah. kind that you want around you. So I like that it was this beautiful, like, soft pink, very kind of mystical feeling sunset with this friendly ghost in the foreground sort of sparkling in front of you and um, almost like a Tinkerbell uh, kind of character. And uh, I loved that. So it was just so obvious that I had to use that. It was yeah. almost like everything decided for me. I didn't really feel like there was any design involved. Well, I'll be mentioning Ola, Ola um, a little bit later. But to go through um, the album track by track, obviously you start off with Michelangelo and uh, the brilliant Michelangelo. What made you start the album off with that song? That song was the first song that I wrote from this series. It was kind of the only song that was, it had a pretty solid form going into the the studio. Um, and it's pretty different from the rest of them. I, I had kind of started writing it before I had a lot of the experiences that I write about on the album. And it was kind of its own thing in a lot of ways. Yeah. It And it sounds like a rock song in the most kind of straightforward sense it's like a rock beat you got guitar you got your drums you got your bass and then there's some yeah. like strings that we added at the very end before we mastered it so it just felt like a pretty straightforward way there was no way to sequence it anywhere else in the record because it would kind of felt like a disruption uh to some mm -hmm. kind of flow so i liked I also i really like when albums kind of start with a a rocker at the beginning yeah. Um, it's like a chill rocker, but it's definitely a rocker. And it's kind of saying like, it's. I opened every night on the tour with that song too. It made me feel comfortable. It's kind of saying like, hey, like you're getting like, the, you're getting me as I am. You know, it's sort of admitting that like, I've got some things about me that are broken or, or missing or whatever and uh, take it or leave it sort of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I like starting out the album that way. And it's, it's uh, a little bit of a, it's a little bit self-deprecating, but, um, but saying like, I'm also trying to, trying to figure this out. <laughs> yeah. And the lyrics, you're a virus and you come back at the first sign of weakness, treatable, not curable, but I'm building up 
a resistance um i was reading how those lyrics you wrote before covid but obviously now they're taking yeah. a completely different meaning and um, so i'm right in thinking you were inspired by a play that you saw in london yeah 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 my friend ollie out there a different ollie not ollie. o-l-l-i-e <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> I met uh, because I went to go see this play as somebody said it was good. And, and I thought it was a really great play. Actually, like it likened the lead character uh, who is this sort of the protagonist of this Russian um, Russian play is uh, just a pretty despicable guy. And he's mm. kind of always kind of causing trouble wherever he goes. and um, and actually, like a lot of the people in the that he meets, like end up falling ill in some way, like after interacting with him. So it almost was like the play and the the interpretation, the adaptation of the play, sort of likened this very um, like toxic male figure to a virus, and that actually hearing that like really was very healing for me because I I've had figures like that in my life, and it sort of helped me put that together and, and um, figure out why it was so, you know, it, it just to, mm. to put a name to something often can really help uh, to heal sort of your relationship to it. So that was just a revelation for me. And, and um, I included it because I just, I thought that was a really brilliant idea and uh, yeah. one that probably a lot of people can sort of relate to and yeah definitely kind of, it's it's mean like it, it's a it's maybe my meanest lyric that I've ever written and so I was a little bit self-conscious about it but um I also feel really good every time I sing that on stage like it's very healing to be like I am yeah. getting stronger like I am I'm getting stronger as a result of being able to speak my truth in this this little way. So I think we all need need to practice that in our lives. And obviously, shout out to—is it Skipper, the three three-legged dog in the video? Yeah. How is he, he keeping lives... up with the fan mail? Is he keeping on track? <laughs> <laughs> with he lives on my block. Oh, um, does he? Yeah, and uh, his owner is an incredible wonderful person she's actually a vocalist as well and um a voice teacher and such a talent and I couldn't believe that we hadn't met it was because of this song that I met this really cool person and now I I see her like I think we're gonna go Christmas caroling uh later on yeah (laughs) of course (laughs) yeah I'm a three-legged dog working with what I And part of me will always be looking for what I lost. There's a fly around my head waiting for the day I dropped it. And then moving on to track number two, New Bikini, which is linked to uh, your friend, Orla Broderson, where I'm right yeah. thinking he left a post-it note when, when you went and stayed with them and saying, have a swim, it, it cures everything, which kind of is the underlying message to the song New Bikini. How, how important is it for you to take note and find inspiration in these small gestures and observations that, that you have from day to day? 
Um, well, I think what happens is like with this song, I didn't get that post-it note and think I'm going to write a song about this. Mm. It became a song after enough people said something similar to me and I started to notice a pattern. And, um, you know, I, I think we started our call um, maybe before we started recording, but we were both talking about being superstitious. And I think that same kind of thinking, like it's a little bit of mag magical thinking. Um, I'm always looking for little patterns in the world around me and and then more specifically in my life. And so when I started to hear the same thing over and over again, and there was a theme forming, then it became a song once it was all on the page together. Um, and once I had sort of taken a bunch of other stuff out and it just became this very simple meditation. So I get a lot out of interacting with people and hearing what they say to me, strangers or, or my mom, you know, very loaded, loaded characters in my life and, and just fleeting interactions might be uh, equally profound, you know. I love listening to the, an overview on, an overview on the, the album oh, cool. that, you, that you recently released, it's kind of like the, not, well, outtakes or like different parts of recording. And I noticed with that album, you originally, was it going to go for like more of like a lower pitch or lower tone? Yeah, I almost always write my songs in like open tunings on the guitar because I'll just grab the guitar and play it and then like after I'm done recording them I realize like whoa I can't even sing this anymore <laughs> I was also very I was sick when I recorded like that week that we made my record I was actually really sick I had some kind of chest cold or flu and um so everything I was my voice was just really low um hard drive too was was lower oh yeah um a bunch of them were just just really low so I I ended up keeping like we re-recorded it but we kept the drums I think so yeah I, I re-recorded it and I changed some of the lyrics so that they weren't quite so repetitive I I, I got a little bit more detail in there yeah. And, yeah between the two versions I I love being able to listen to that album what made you want to to release that album um well it was a couple things like I had Rough Trade reached out to me about making an EP for them as like bonus material around the record. And uh, I started pulling all this stuff off the hard drive. And I was like, this is way more than just one little bonus yeah. material thing for this is way more significant. And I need to spend more time on this. And I had a quick, pretty quick deadline for that EP. And I ended up doing something I'm really proud of for that. Um, it's just a, an improvised sort of ambient uh, interpretation of, of the ramble, which is the last last yeah. track on the record. Um, and uh, that's out now too. So I ended up making two EPs because oh. Rough Trade was like, we want an EP from you. And then I just quickly got very excited. And I talked to Ben at Bada Bing and was like, I just really want to do this record. Would you put it out? And because we had so many other weird ideas that we had thrown out and I when I listened back to them I was like oh this is this is funny like this could have been a completely different song and uh I just really liked that and I thought it'd be really fun to share a little bit more of my process and share some of the you know I think about it kind of like when you're making cookies and you've got sugar cookies and you've got your your dough rolled out and then you have your cookie cutter and you make the cookie cutters and you pull out the shapes and then all the weird squiggles yeah. that are left. Yeah. That's kind of like what 
and over that's also really like, cool way like, putting it all it's all the same cookie dough and the yeah. same batch but it's all the different weird squiggles on the outside I see Warren every weekend He makes a living as a fisherman Drives in from Long Island His mama always told him Baby, go get in the ocean You mentioned hard drive and I feel like there's so much to talk about within that song alone. And how was it just in general pulling and putting together all the different, obviously it starts with, with the conversation with the security guard and that comes up towards the end of the song and just the whole song itself is uh, such a masterpiece in itself. How was it putting it all together, the lyrics, the, the sound clippings? It was a process. I, I pulled lyrics from my notebook, from my voice memos, from my notes app on my phone from emails and text messages. And I really just put them all into one document. I'd love to find it. Uh, I haven't really looked at it. Maybe we should have released that with the album. Maybe we'll release that with the vinyl because the vinyl won't be out until April. So um, cool. New goal. Um, (laughs) Just to find some of the old, old lyrics. I like sharing that stuff too. Cause I I think to, to uh, I don't like to be too precious about the uh, like, inspiration mm. behind something i like to sh- to show like oh yeah there was a lot of sweat and yeah. blood sweat and tears in this um but basically i had tons of lyrics and tons of ideas all written out and then slowly it got whittled down to the verses that i liked and that just felt kind of resonant mm. to me and it ended up just being these three characters the security guard Daryl, the driver, and then this guy at the end of the seventh ray in California, Topanga Canyon. And they didn't really have anything to do with one another until I was on the subway riding home from the studio and I was kind of singing it. And and then I, I realized the play on words and then that pushed me to say, okay, maybe, maybe the chorus is about the hard drive and, Mm -hmm. and the double entendre there. And then I realized, okay, wait, I need one more verse. And I had just um, earlier that week gone to Lola, my friend Lola Kirk's birthday party and uh, had that strange experience with Perry. And yeah. uh, so she came in, she flew in after I had kind of like written those first three verses, cut out tons of other stuff figured out where the chorus was. And then I was like, I need one more voice in here. And it was Perry, the psychic. And Mm -hmm. um, at first the end of the song was just, I was just repeating something about a hard drive because it's tempting to say, Oh, I need a chorus. And the chorus happens the same way, usually over and over again, maybe change it a little bit, but that just didn't feel right. It was like, Oh, this isn't really what she's saying. And then I just started to, in the studio, I started counting and it occurred to me that I was in fact transferring her meditation into this song. And it occurred to me that I could provide that same space that she provided for me, for other people, which now that it's there, I'm kind of like, oh yeah, that's, that's what that is. But while that was happening, that was a pretty, um, you know, you learn everything from every song and and that was a great thing for me to learn. And then, um, 
and then to actually go into um, live spaces and try to actually do that live. And yeah, like what actually, was that like? Um, really great. It was, you know, I think people probably gravitate towards that song maybe more than any other on the album. And it was a cathartic experience. I think my interpretation too of that section at the end of the song where I'm just essentially leading a meditation, counting to three. It's also to me, um, when I'm playing it live, you know, she says that one of her last lines when I'm doing it live is we're going to put your heart back together. Are you ready? And to me, I'm saying like, this is what it sounds like to put a heart back together. And uh, I'll never forget this one Sun Ra quote about, um, about music therapy and how it doesn't all have to sound peaceful and healing. Like sometimes music that's just really out and dissonant can actually be quite healing. And so I try to do, and when we're doing it live, it gets pretty un it goes off the rails a little bit like the saxophones they're improvising, like the drums are, are coming to a much bigger crescendo. I uh, love the drums on that record. The thanks, like, yeah. building of the drums. So good. But yeah. So when we're playing it live, it's a cacophony. And to me, that's the sound of a heart coming back together. It's messy. Yeah. It's loud. There's distortion. There's like, it's not a beautiful process. It's yeah. usually really, um, just like chaotic so I like that in the live version it's actually quite different it's not quite so peaceful and I think that's to me that's uh, appropriate yeah do you quite like that creative process of things happening quite quickly I suppose you obviously mentioned way back at the beginning collaborating with that saxophonist in, in Norway and the album itself was all put together or you, you found inspiration from things quite all within a short period of time or do you find that you tend to enjoy that creative process when it is spontaneous or uh, not as like regimented? Yeah, spontaneous creativity is really more my style. And, and when I'm playing live, like that's where I get off is, is on things going differently than planned, you know? Yeah. Um, I, get, I get pretty quickly uh, frustrated by uh, anything feeling stale. They are sitting too long in the same place. So, you know, any stagnancy is scary to me. And we've also said that the the film A Clean Sweep was something that really Mm -hmm. inspired you for that song. Yeah, for Hard Drive and for the whole record. I just loved that film. Um, Probably it doesn't have a huge viewership. I think more in the art community it does. Like, uh, But basically it's this really great series of classic New York vignettes and um, then a male voice speaking over a Miles Davis tune. So it's got this real classic New York saxophone feel to it. Um, Or maybe it's actually trumpet in the recording. Trying to remember. But anyway, it's uh, like we've got New York jazz, New York scenes, and then this guy kind of saying a bunch of philosophical stuff over top of it. And and some of it's actually got really great ideas and it's, it's kind of the tone of it is, is very, um, uh, it's a, it's a very specific tone where he strikes a balance between 
asking questions and it, and on the one hand you're kind of like oh this is ridiculous and then on the other hand you're like actually you've kind of got a point there yeah. and so I think I really liked that and I I liked um I liked that tone and I liked that occupying that space and um I think I often get a lot of inspiration from art galleries and and art in general and it kind of reminds me to step outside of my musical experience and sort mm. of step into other voices other roles and and that kind of that was it kind of gave me permission to do that in a song being from new york and did you find yourself listening to that kind of music when you're younger like miles davis cole porter that kind of stuff yeah i i did listen to a lot of the american songbook growing up cole porter my dad is a piano player and probably cole porter is one of the main i mean i think he knows so many of those songs mm. um and listening we listened to a lot of ella fitzgerald growing mm. up and some of my first albums were some of the great kind of blue i think was the first cd that my dad gave me oh wow um, yeah so i a lot of i actually and i went to i should mention i, I like studied jazz as a kid too i i studied the bass guitar uh I went to jazz camps and stuff like did that whole thing I kind of consider myself to be a jazz dropout because I I sort of didn't end up really feeling like that was the place for me I felt a little bit out of place I didn't really like I didn't like soloing I didn't like improvising I I didn't feel comfortable (laughs) I I wasn't that wasn't where my skill set was and I think I just didn't like being in the spotlight in that Mm -hmm. way so I very quickly uh stopped pursuing that as a path but I loved I loved jazz I really revered it it was like my bible growing up so um so yeah I just I think for me I I started to veer away from it when I started to get older and I just didn't relate to the the institution around jazz now as it stands um it felt like it didn't resonate with me I think I was always a little bit more of more deviant as a person um and so I wanted so I sought out other things I I started to play and rock bands and old-time string bands and like any kind of other other thing punk bands so yeah I just took it in a different direction and I think that they all relate and they're all kind of the same at the end of the day but it's just like different forms of expression but um I did uh, study like more formal jazz when I was mm. a kid and I really loved it. So these are real things that happen where you can apply these, these um, important concepts and understand that when we lose our connection to nature, we lose our spirit, our humanity, our sense of self. A security guard stopped me to offer an overview on phenomenal nature. She said sculpture's not just formed from penetration. You see, men have lost touch with the feminine. And with her pink lipstick and her queen's accent, she went on for a while about our president. Yeah, and there's definitely like an eclectic range of, of instruments used within the album. And on to number four, Crosshairs, I think it's a, a really 
beautiful like layered song we obviously start with the guitar and then eventually you get like is it strings coming through and more of like an electric guitar kind of sound mm-hmm. and obviously you've got the saxophone through a lot of a lot of the songs themselves um how was it arranging crosshairs um that was fun i think it was pretty bare bones a lot of these songs the the chord structures are actually very simple and they repeat themselves uh so if i wrote out the charts for these songs like they'd be quite anyone who can play cowboy chords on the guitar could probably play along then it just came time to giving it the uh the feeling behind Mm. the song i wanted it to feel kind of romantic a little Mm -hmm. bit like um i think my reference for this song was like um some of the 70s sort of french composers that i was listening to a lot at some point um but just the strings and originally i i didn't have the budget to hire a string composer like i I actually we wanted to reach out to my friend rob moose to do some strings but I, i couldn't afford it at the time so my friend Stuart bogey came in to do saxophone mm. and then he ended up tracking flute um instead of strings because it kind of gives in some ways like a similar direction um but that was sort of our way of um kind of like budget stuff uh and uh and then later on after a few months had passed i realized i had I was going to put it out with a label and I had actually gotten grant money from COVID. I, I applied for a bunch of grants and I got some money through the recording Academy and I had more money to, to pay for friends to finish up the album. So I wrote to my friend Oliver Hill and I said, Hey, can you write some strings for these two songs? And he did it all in a day. Wow. <laughs> he recorded, he tracked everything. Yeah. So, uh, there wasn't a lot of back and forth there. It was kind of like he was about to go on a on a trip on his own and he recorded everything sent it to me really quickly. So, you know, it's just how some of these stuff some of these things come together. He's very talented and um he'll probably play in my live band at some point. We were supposed to do some shows together, but they got canceled. So I, I love the line, empty space is my escape. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think it's such a beautiful line. Um and I love the video as well in New York. Yeah, obviously, you yourself, you studied visual arts at Rhode Island School of Design. Um, Mm -hmm. How much do you enjoy putting those videos together? I loved it. That video in particular was really fun. It was, you know, again, like this is the first time I was working with a label. We didn't really have any budget, but I think Hard Drive had just come out and people Mm -hmm. were paying attention to that video and I just thought, you know, I really want to put it, it was deep quarantine. I was like, I want to really give people something to look at, like with this song. Like it just feels like I need to reach out more. Mm -hmm. I was feeling a little bit extroverted despite being completely alone. And um, I woke up uh, like four days before the song was going to come out. And I said, I want to make a video with a drone and I want to do it before the song comes out and god damn it I'm gonna figure out how to do that it was just like one of those mornings where I just felt really determined and that drone got good use yeah I I got I got um I got in touch with some friends and they said yeah there's this drone company 
they have a license to film in New York City because you need one of those to film with a drone. Oh. And I called these guys, they're from Queens, and I found this guy named Eddie. And I was like, hey, I want to do this video like soon, <laughs> you know, being <laughs> yeah. kind of gentle about it. And he was like, well, I'm free in a month or I'm free today. So what's it going to be? And I was like, how soon can you be here? Oh, wow. He's like, I'll be there in two hours. So I was like, All <laughs> right, I'll see you there. And then Trust I was Eddie. like, by the way, how much does it cost? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, they're used to doing commercial work. So they're, they're doing stuff for advertisements, you know, for New York one or for, for whatever, it, you know, it wasn't, they're not usually doing music videos. So it was very much a collaboration where I, I sent them the song and he was like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's uh it's kind of romantic. It's kind of um, kind of ominous, and I was like, "Sure, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, all yeah. okay. That's that's what it is." And, and uh, you know, it's just I had all these other ideas, and I kind of mixed them when I found out what our our limits were. And you know, that's that's what I like about collaboration. It just shows you things that you wouldn't know how to do yourself, and then it asks you to kind of like let go of maybe some of your own ideas about what it should be. And um, it was so fun. It was freezing that day and we spent all day filming in the snow. I actually have one other location that we shot that I really liked and I wanted to have some kind of narrative. So, and we tried to figure it out. I was like, okay, what if at the end of the video, I'm just kind of like, snow angel. yeah, I, yeah. I'm like, kind of, you're kind of like what happened to her, but it, it's, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's just that same kind of mix of like, it's a little bit playful, but it's also a little dark and yeah, I, I don't know. It was just really fun. That's a that's a legit thing, isn't it? Plopping. I'm sure I read somewhere. Is that what you call yeah. it? When you... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my cool. thing. That was is my it? like. Uh, you know, I just there were various ways of dealing with the stresses of last winter, and I think just like throwing myself backwards mm-hmm. into the snow was like, it just felt so good to throw yourself into this like soft padding. Yeah, but it's also kind of like it, it. Also, I don't know when the last time you did that, but like. It also you kind of like hit the snow kind of hard, but hard. It's, yeah. it doesn't hurt. It's like yeah. soft, so it's, it's it's a little bit of like a a hard like relief. I can't yeah. really explain it. I but it just and the cold, like to feel your whole body like with mm. that cold, but you're still bundled up. It's kind of like enough of a release and also a comfort to for it to feel kind of therapeutic I can't really explain it yeah you see we don't we just don't get enough snow over here but when we do we'll like celebrate like a couple of centimeters so I feel like it wouldn't be great plopping material but Mm -hmm. um you never know it might it might it, it will catch on when we get more snow but when that is I do not know I'll mention more about obviously Central Park in particular uh, with the Ramble, but number five on the album, Ambiguous Norway, which is a, is a really beautiful and very personal and, and reflective mm. song. How is it putting out such vulnerable lyrics for what was obviously a very a very sad time with the passing of your 
friend David Berman. How is it putting out material like that? Yeah, it that was scary because I mean I wasn't really friends with David. I knew him for only a few days. Um, so some of the scarier aspects of that were like, am I allowed to talk about him? Am I allowed to talk about this very strange and tragic event that I was tangled up in? by chance at the sort of last minute. So I didn't feel like I was really allowed to mourn his passing in the way that like some of his really close friends were, um, which is a really strange way to feel, but I I've felt that way before I lost a friend the, the summer just earlier that summer. And um, I wasn't very close with her, but she really, had a profound effect on me. And I, I spoke at her memorial service and was able to say to her friends and family, which was like deeply intimidating mm. to just say, like to walk up in front of that group of people um, and talk about their loved one who had passed. Um, so weirdly I had like a precedent for it kind of, um, because I, I realized I didn't need to talk about anything other than my experience. And just to say, look, I didn't know this person very long, but that's just a testament to how incredible she was because she had such a profound effect on me in the short time that I knew her. So here I am like learning about her as I'm hearing all of you speak about her. There's this woman named Devra who, um, I think you'll find a lot of people in the music community who would say similar things about her. Uh, yeah. She was an artist, a visual artist, and she was uh, in a bike accident and lost. She, we lost her really suddenly. Um, but, uh, you know, after I spoke about her, her mom came up to me and she said, you know, I know you didn't know her very well, but Deborah said the same thing about you. Like, oh, that, that still gets me like yeah. when I think about it now. And so that kind of gave me the courage to say, it doesn't matter if I wasn't close to this person. This is my experience of them. And I'm coming at it from a very honest place. And I'm coming at it from a very pure, I have pure intentions, you know. Um, But it's strange when you're talking about someone who was as as revered as as someone like David, who um, also was revered by a community of people who really... um, I think looked up to him for not only his work and, but also his whole kind of attitude towards his work and, and, and music and what it is to be an artist. And yeah. so, you know, I, I think a very sensitive group of people to, um, to like fake things and things yeah. that are maybe coming from a very different place. So, so actually like I was really afraid to release that song and I, part of the reason my record was released is because I wrote to Katie um, who was playing in purple mountains with me at the time um, right before he passed. And I wrote to her just to be like, Hey, like I feel really uncomfortable about this, but I just, I wrote this song and this is what it is. And what do you think if I put it on Bandcamp, would that be okay? And and then she said, you know, I I think it's really beautiful. And, and um, 
I don't think it's inappropriate. And, and uh, actually, I want to put it out with Bada Bing. So that gave me a lot of confidence that it was going to be okay. And I, I reached out to everyone, to Jarvis, who asked me to be in the band to say like, hey, is this weird? Or is this okay? You know, yeah. And um, you can't get everyone's permission in the world, but you can reach out to the people that you trust and say, do you think that this is appropriate? And I wouldn't normally do that, but here we are talking about someone who, who's yeah. passed away, who, who is a um, very significant person to a lot of people. And so I did feel like it was important to get opinions from my friends. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't do that about like a love song. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, but this was, this is very different. And I, again, going back to the lyrics, I I love the lyrics, Uh, no matter where I go, you're gone, you're everywhere. And that's one of those songs in particular, like a company so lovely with the artwork. And we kind of mentioned it earlier, the, the lighting from the artwork and just with those lyrics and, uh, you know, we as humans, we love interacting with people. So it's amazing to have those lasting interactions with people no matter no matter how long yeah, the time is so absolutely to six Haley. I love the guitar on this song how did this song come about because this feels like a very like romantic yeah yeah just a romantic song about your friend yeah um well first of all I like the challenge of uh writing a love song for a friend I think this is you know in in some ways if you look at ambiguous Norway as that too you know it's, it's kind of the same ambition in some ways how do you write about love in a in a platonic way is sort of a question that I always have. Like it doesn't always have to be heartbreak or obsessive romantic love, but what about the love for someone who just helps you get up in the morning because <laughs> they're just yeah. cool and, and they're doing cool stuff. And you just always, every time you see a photograph of them or, or you think about them, you're just like, Oh yeah, I, that, that just lights my fire a little bit more than it, it would have been if they weren't a part of my life, you know, and, and um, just to feel like, damn, I'm really lucky to have them in my life. And, and uh, everyone else should be so lucky to have a person like this. Yeah. So here, now you have a little bit of her in your life too. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and uh, I mean, it was inspired actually by a photograph uh, of her that's on her Instagram. And I like, I, I like a little bit of like lowbrow, um, just like Instagram songwriting mm-hmm. in in my work, like I've actually done it a few times, and because um, I again, like I think you could find inspiration on your like anywhere on a McDonald's mm. billboard or whatever, just as meaningful. Um, in fact, like maybe more potent right now than um, trying to find something that's quote unquote like poetry. So I I actually pulled that quote off of her Instagram page. Cause I just thought, Oh, that's funny. And it's cool. It's very, very her. Um, 
but oddly it was years ago that she posted that photograph and um and since then that that phrase has sort of become like a its own sort of like kind of chintzy instagram quote mm-hmm. the like new year new year same me yeah, or, yeah. you know it, it's uh become a little bit more emblematic of like yeah. interest or something <laughs> but i like the idea that you can even take something like that and make it into a, a fun little song um you know it's i'm not projecting that as like my own anthem but like this is what someone said once and yeah. uh in the context of their of the song maybe it, it it doesn't have that same feeling to it yeah yeah i was so tempted to end uh the interview because we're going to 2022 i was so tempted to end with that and i was like oh lauren that's so cheesy please don't do that um uh, but also like it's uh i also totally agree with it that's yeah. the other thing it's like a lot of cheesy things are there for a reason it's like cliches um and i think the more we embrace how cheesy we are the better like the easier we can just move through our lives you know no apologies (laughs) necessary i'm fascinated with the Haley premix as well that's like completely opposite to to the Haley that you put out on the original well i called it a premix because that was actually the first take of that song oh wow okay it was like the the it wasn't a remix of it. It was no, what I can't, it was yeah. before, you know, so it's, that's, that's why I, I called it that. Cause yeah. it, I walked into the studio. I had come in like kind of late that day and Josh was playing it. I was like, Josh, this is, this is a yeah. little uh, unhinged. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what is this? And yeah. he had just been tinkering away, you know, and like, he was like, what do you think? And I was like, this is crazy. I don't know if I'm ready for this right now, you know? Um, and I was yeah. like, let's just uh, get back to basics and just play the guitar. And guitar. so it just ended up being like, we were in the main, the tiny little room in his studio and it was just him playing guitar with a mic. And I was singing right mm. next to him on another mic. And so it was just very much a live take. Um, and I like doing live takes because you can't go back on them. Like it'd be easy for me to tinker around with my vocals forever and try to get them perfect. But I like that. Mm. It's just kind of like, okay, this is, this is it's actually a recording of this moment it's a, it's a record uh so uh, of of a time and a place and um i like that i like that limitation song on the album the ramble which is a very immersive instrumental lots of sound clippings all inspired by the ramble the um 38 acre wild garden in central park is that somewhere that having grown up in in new york that holds a lot of memories and yeah Mm. what point did you think you know i know originally it was going to be an audio guy but yeah when did you suddenly think actually i'd love to be able to put this at the end of an album yeah, I it was a prompt basically from from Ben at Bada Bang. He was like, six songs is a short album. It'd be really and it's also, you know, you wrote this album before the pandemic, and now we're in a pandemic. Feels like maybe 
there needs to be something to acknowledge the time that we're in now because it's so different. And I totally agreed with him and I did feel a little bit short, but I was like, how do you add to this album as it is when it's such a specific moment in time? And yeah. so I, I just, at the time I was just walking through the ramble every day. I would wake up at like five in the morning and it was quiet. There was no one out. You know, we were in a lockdown um, and it was before lockdowns were very common around the world. It was like a very strange time in New York. Uh, and that was my sanctuary. And I would walk every day. I would look at birds. I would just get in touch with my senses um, as a way of processing what we were all going through. And, you know, that was when we thought it would only be a few more weeks. Uh, so it's also strange to think about that now, but um I recorded an audio guide because I really like the work of Janet Cardiff, who is a visual artist and, and sound artist. And she records these walks and has some like around the world. Um, and I've always wanted to record like a walking sort of meditation. Um, and that's tied to a specific place. That's also kind of narrative. And, and then once I finished it and I was about to release the album, I, I just, I ended up, taking all of that the vocals out and I thought if someone's going to be listening to this I actually want them to have their own experience of walking and and I don't want to guide them too much it feels too mm. narrow it feels too self-centered it feels too directed so I'm going to take them on this walk that they can it's a, it's yeah. a space for them to like process everything that they just went through not have me telling them what to experience yeah. and I, I think that that was a good learning experience for me too like how much do you want to tell people what to think and how much do you want to just let them have space for their own thoughts um i think that that like in hindsight was really actually what we needed and, and uh i got calls from people all over the world saying or, or messages saying like, i listen to this on my walk every morning yeah it's cool it's like almost uh transpose what's the word i'm looking for you're just kind of it's almost like you've got, you're like walking through Paris, but you've got this audio background mm -hmm. of New York and it's just kind of to put those two places together is very surreal in this wonderful way. And in that way we can sort of also be together. Uh, so I, I just think that that's, that's a cool interactive result of something that we're always doing, but it kind of brings it to the forefront a little bit more. So I liked, I really liked that. It's sort of, maybe one of the more experimental aspects of what I am interested in is like to not really know what the end result will be, but to find out throughout the year what it'll be. So it is actually yeah. just like a little experiment and I I love some of the results that came out of it. So how much of that song was improvised? All of it. Yeah. Really? Um, oh wow. The original version just had me playing guitar and speaking and then I emailed it to a bunch of my friends I said just record don't spend a lot of time on this just write something and I took my guitar part out I took myself out of it entirely and, mm. and like ultimately I think that's usually for the best um and what was left was like the impression of me but the sounds of other people you know I also like that idea of just like an impression you know I, I think that's sort of what ambiguous Norway is about too it's sort of like 
talking to, to the impression of someone, not talking about them, but the impression that they left on me. So I kind of like that yeah. in different layers. So. just finish with a couple of things so just some kind of like just final questions about the album uh which songs would you say came together the quickest and which took the longest um for the writing portion Um, up to you whether yeah yeah writing michelangelo the first song took the longest it's probably you know when you hear about leonard cohen and alleluia he had something like 50 verses or something. I feel like I often do that with a lot of my songs. I, and Michelangelo was that way. It had at least twice as many verses and I cut it down to that number. Um, so that one took the longest for sure. I even allowed like in the demo version from the, the EP an overview on an overview. I allowed one of the other lyrics to be left in there. Um, that we had cut out for the final version. So you can hear that a little bit in the process of it, but that one was the longest process. And then it, we recorded it the fastest because it was the most complete. Uh, and then the shortest one was probably, might have even been hard drive. Oh, wow. Okay. I walked into the studio and Josh had pulled this, uh, again, more Instagram music, but Josh had pulled this video off of Eric Biondo's Instagram it was this drum loop and he was like, I, what do you think about trying to play with this one? Like, and I was like, okay, let me look through all my lyrics. Like, Oh, maybe this song will, will, will work with that. And um, maybe these lyrics will. And then I just started to kind of like talk over it and we started to play the organ. And then by the end of the day, it was mostly fleshed out. But again, I, I, you know, not to repeat myself, but that's when at the end of the day, it didn't really have a, a refrain but it did have that little hard drive part from the Topanga Canyon verse and then that night I went home and connected those wrote the Perry verse came back the next day and put it together do you have a favorite song of the album I think hard drive is my favorite song um Mm. because I learned so much about songwriting from that song and and how uh how quickly things can come together when you're not trying so hard to strangle them into being. I learned a lesson from the songs, just leave, leave room for grace, like leave room yeah. for things to come in um, is such a valuable lesson always uh, to just not strangle everything in your life to death. <laughs> and uh, that's, uh, that, that's really what a lot of that song is about. Like just trust, trust that there is, other stuff at work um however you want to explain that and everyone has their own version of what that is and i'm fascinated endlessly by that i feel like that song sort of encapsulate all those it encapsulates those things for me and it, it sort of actually um brought some of my own character to light uh through through other people um which is a thing I don't think I've really ever done before so I'm grateful do you have a favorite lyric 
off the album? Because I know the Teenage Mutant Turtles. Did you say that some lyrics that weren't in the final album are some of your favorite mm-hmm. lyrics? Oh yeah, I mean the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle one. Yeah, that that's in in Michelangelo. It's, yeah, um, it's a play on words with Michelangelo in some ways. Taking that name and saying it's not only this like fine <laughs> artist, but it's also this like Ninja cartoon Turtle. character. Yeah, I actually do love that lyric, and I love that it wasn't in the final version of the song. I like that it left its impression on the song without actually being there. And uh, to me. I was trying to understand a lot of things about my health at that time. And I like that lyric and, you know, maybe this is a nice note to end on, or if you have other questions, obviously that's fine. But um, I just, I have some, some things uh, that I'm dealing with, with my health that are just, I I was kind of like born that way. And um, I have days where that's really hard and I I'm struggling and I'm frustrated and I wish that, I had a healthier body in some ways. Mm. Um, it would make my life easier. I'd be more comfortable. I'd be more this or more that. But then uh, at a certain point, I started to ask myself, you know, I have a genetic mutation that, that uh, makes me very vulnerable to cancer. And um, I started to think about mutation and uh, that as a word, we look at it sort of, we, we look at it as a flaw, but I think it's actually if you look at the meaning of mutation, it really just means a change. And so Mm -hmm. to embrace mutation is to embrace change. And I was in the process of doing that when I was writing a lot of these songs is just to embrace change and uh, not to look at that as a problem (laughs) is so important. And so I thought like, oh, well, a great mascot for me is uh, (laughs) the the mutant Ninja Turtles. They're a bunch of mutants, but they're superheroes. Like, so uh, <laughs> maybe my mutation is my own superpower as well. And um, if my superpower is nothing but compassion, that's a, that's a great thing to have. So <laughs> I'm very grateful. So I think that's why I like that lyric a lot is that I learned something that I was able to articulate. And even if it didn't make it into the song, it was a valuable um, perspective shift for me. But that would be a very good note to finish on. I've got one more thing and then, yeah, and then that's absolutely. it. So this final thing I normally do in the podcast, it's uh, called What's the Occasion? And basically I give three occasions and you've got to pick three songs off your album that if you were to have to play one at each occasion, mm-hmm. which would be. So you've got a wedding, a dinner party or a car road trip. Okay. So if you're at a wedding, it would yeah. have to be probably Haley because it's a love song. Yeah. You know? It's like, and it would be maybe like, you know, a moment when I guess one of them is being honored. One, either the, either, either the bride, the groom, the bride, the bride, the groom, yeah. the groom. Um, but I, I think that's the love song for the wedding. And then yeah. the second one was, what was the dinner, second one? Dinner party. So like friends, final, yeah, dinner party. One song, maybe a conversation starter. Um, I mean... Maybe I would toss hard drive into the into the mix for that just because it's kind of got a constant beat to it. You can yeah. kind of put it on in the background, but if you if there's nothing to talk about or you have a lull in conversation, <laughs> I'm there talking your ear off. So I'll, yeah. I'll take care of that for you. Um, nice and, and then, car road trip, which car road trip could be hard drive as well. Yeah, I guess. 
that would be the obvious well, choice. Um, yeah, yeah, hard drive. Yeah, hard, uh, hard drive probably, but also, I mean, maybe Michelangelo because it's just kind of mm. like I like listening to like when I'm driving. I love listening to Crazy Horse and Neil Young and kind of just like and like Lucinda Williams. I love listening to her oh, too. Like, like just I like the gravelly. I think like gravelly voices and just like drum beats and yeah. you know i don't know i think that's like a, for me good choice a good, road good choice uh well thank you so much um we've definitely uncovered an overview on phenomenal nature Have you got lots going on in 2022 yeah i have a lot of tours planned one is with i'm gonna play with julia jacklin i'm gonna play with the oh. weather station andy Schaff. um and then i'm coming back to europe i'll be back in london in august for festival um, all point uh yeah all points points east yes yeah. all points east that's it. i wanted to say west but i think it's it's east. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that makes sense i'm i'm coming for that festival um nice. and i'm coming also for primavera and a bunch of other festivals uh throughout europe i'll Amazing. be back in for june so i'll be ping-ponging a lot between uh europe and the uk and the u.s um and just I hopefully i'll finally get a chance to see life yeah, are, so you're based in Bristol? Near Bristol, Bray? near Bristol, okay, near Bristol. About, um, okay. about an hour away, Somerset, anyway. Okay, yeah, 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 okay, yeah. cool. Well, hopefully, yeah, I hope to, I loved all the venues around the UK, it was so nice. much fun to play there, and nice. my band is all from Glasgow, so I'll probably be like close by-ish. Um, yeah. Very exciting. Well, uh, thank you so much for your time. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, all the best, everything. I love the album. I'm just so excited for what you've got coming up next. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much.